I appreciate the opportunity to, to share with you, and I want to I throw some ideas to you. Um, how many of you have ever had any experience with a bird dog? This sounds real spiritual, don't it? <laughs> Nobody's had experience with bird dogs. There's one guy in here. One, two, three, four, five, six. Where's Pastor Dusty? You should have your hand up. There you go. Me. I had bird, do bird dogs growing up. Bird dogs are amazing animals. And uh, I never had any pointers. I had setters. And bird dogs are amazing animals. And if you've ever had the privilege of seeing a, a highly trained refined bird dog work it's extraordinary to watch them do what they do and it is their ever loving joy they tremble to go find the birds right but do you know what they don't start off that way they don't come that they they're excited they have most of them have really great demeanors they make great pets actually but their destiny is not to be a pet. They are, they fit in a category of what's called working dogs. Cow dogs fit in that category. And uh, Hank is my favorite cow dog. So, so Y'all are laughing because you know Hank the cow dog is a thing. You should discover the literary value of Hank the cow dog. Enough said about that. The author, by the way, of Hank the Cowdog is a believer. Um, cow dogs are much, are, are not cow dogs, bird dogs are much like we are. We have a destiny that goes way beyond just being God's pet. Someone who just brings joy to the Father. We have, we have a destiny. We have the genetics. We have been given the eyes. We've been given the nose. We've been given the stamina. We've been given the equipment that we need to function in His kingdom according to a destiny that we have. And while we're on this earth... You cannot separate us from our destiny. Our identity cannot be separated from the destiny of what we are destined to do. Do you know that um, if you really talk about obedience and submission is at the heart of obedience, submission, you can't really obey God without coming to submission and surrender. Surrender really is the highest aim. Submission is what God uses in their lives, in our lives, to work us to surrender. We submit to one another so that we can surrender to God. And there's a wonderful process in all that, but it's not straightforward. And so many people 
there's so much noise in the atmosphere and in the church and there's so much doctrine and there's so much teaching and there are teachings out there that would leave us with the thought that our highest purpose is just to be God's pet in his house who brings him joy. And if you've ever been around an untrained bird dog, they get distracted like they have the ability to smell, but they'll run all over smelling every smell that comes along. Squirrel! But they're not supposed to be going for the squirrel. They're supposed to be going for the quail. And when they get on the scent, they're supposed to stay on the scent. But if you've, if, and then a rabbit runs by and a bird dog is not a rabbit dog. A rabbit dog is a rabbit dog. And we're not talking about rabbit dogs today. We're talking about bird dogs. But I've had bird dogs that are undisciplined in the use of their abilities. And really... They love to run and they love to go outside and they can run and run and run and run. Bird dogs have lots of stamina. They're built with it. Where did they get their, their statue from? Where did, it, where did it come from? Their stature. God, right? Didn't God give it to them? Where did their genetics come from? God. Where did their nose come from? Where did their stamina come from? Where did their eyes come from? Where did their stature come from? Where did their purpose come from? It didn't come from inside themselves. They got that somewhere else. They were born with that. We are born with a destiny from God. We're born with abilities that if we don't get with the program and live intentionally, then we're distracted by every rabbit that runs in front of us. Hank the cow dog, he talks about loving to bathe in the emerald pond. Y'all know what that is. That's the sewer. If you've ever been around ranch dogs, you know they roll in cow manure and they'll get in the sewer. Right? Why? They like something about it, they like to smell. There's all kinds of smells in the woods and they can be terribly distracting. And he's running over here and he's on a trail and you're like, I'm excited he's going to go find the bird. And then he's off over there. And you're, you're, you're going along and you get tired and then... You've, you go over there and you find that he was on a raccoon. This is not where the red fern grows. This is another book that nobody wrote yet. And I'm up here talking about bird dogs at one chapel. And most of you are looking at me like a cow staring at a new gate because you have no idea what this means. You don't even know what a new gate is, do you? <laughs> a bird dog without the training and intention all that design and purpose goes to waste 
because then it's only by accident if they find a bird. It's not, they do by accident what they're built to do and the difference between a trained bird dog's attitude about the destiny and an untrained one are night and day. An untrained one may go, oh, that looks like work. But a trained bird dog can't wait to go find birds because that's what he's built to do. That's what he's equipped to do. That's what he's destined to do. That's what he begs to do. They tremble. Just let me go. Just let me go. Just let me go. Because otherwise, if if, if they don't take if they're not trained with intention, they're either merely someone's pet or they're just a stray slinking through life, not adding value, the value of their destiny to anybody. We have a purpose on this earth. And in order to tap into that purpose, we have to live with intention. To meet Jesus, you don't, you don't meet Jesus by accident. You meet Jesus intentionally. You have to make a decision about him. He's already made his decision about you. He's made his decision about me. The thing that's left is that I be intentional now on my part. And we've gotten all messed up in the church about how our part works. And I apologize to you about that. But that doesn't mean we don't have a part. We have a destiny, everybody, and I assure you, it is far more than just sitting in God's house eating his food. Because that's all a pet does. Sit in his house, eat his food. And then you are either the pride and joy of the owner or you get terribly mistreated. And it seems like to me that depending on the perspective that you have about God, you either feel like you're the apple of his eye or he's mad at you mistreating you. Just like a pet. But we have, there's more. There's so much more to our life in this earth. You were born embedded with extraordinary abilities and the thing that locks those extraordinary abilities and transforms the use of those abilities into your ever loving joy so that you tremble and strain at God saying go get the bird If you've ever seen them work, they are not in the mully grubs and the boldrums. Oh, I hate to do this. They don't care about the color. They don't, care. they don't look at the order to go get the birds as some kind of punishment. But an untrained dog, you can't make him find the bird. He just naturally may run across one if he doesn't get distracted. Living without intention 
is like putting no effort into your relationship with God. There is a teaching out there that attempts to frame the love of God and the grace of God it, it, and counteract some things that are really bad. The, the, de the devil's a master at like twisting all these things. But sometimes we can be left with the thought that God's love and His grace equals effortless Christianity. Listen, God's love and grace do not authorize effortless Christianity. His love and grace energize effortful Christianity. And the difference between a bird dog who is so extraordinarily excited about the fulfillment of his destiny is just in his attitude and how he's responded to the intentional training process that his master puts him in. Does that make sense? It says in John 14 in a few places, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. Does that mean that God is mean? That doesn't mean that he's mean. Nor does it mean that we work for our salvation. That's not what that means. You should go and find out what that means. Ephesians chapter 4. Everybody, you got your Bibles turned there. Obedience is a big deal. There's actually a scripture that says the reason that God loved Jesus is because Jesus obeyed his father and did everything that he wanted him to do. So I don't know where the idea came from that our interaction with God doesn't have anything to do with what he wants us to do. I don't know where, that's effortless Christianity. God has intention for us. He embedded us with a destiny and it involves doing on this earth. It involves loving other people. That's a doing. It involves loving your spouse. It involves loving God and that takes effort. Have you not found that the relationships that you work hardest on are your highest quality ones normally. I'm not talking about people stuck in a problem and so they work and they work and they work and they can't make headway. I mean the ones that both of you, you put effort in. And it's usually directly correlated to the, to the amount and the quality of effort that you apply. It increases the bondedness. Is this not in general a fact? Have you found that to be so? Well, your relationship with God is the most important thing that you could have. And the devil is interested in convincing you that his love means that you don't have to put any effort there. This is not true. It's just really not true. 
And so he said, those who love me, keep my commandments. And I found a command right here, and it's in Ephesians chapter 4. It says, verse 1, as a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Wow, that's some awesome things to put effort into, isn't it? Don't you agree? Where does the energy and the power... To, to be able to succeed at those things come from? Does it come from inside us, in and of ourselves? No, it comes from God and his power and his nature expressing itself in us. It's a gradient like we're, we're, we're going somewhere. The scripture says in John 14 that the Holy Spirit leads us into all the truth. That means there's a process involved. Right? Bearing with one, or one another in love. Oh, man. Wow. Does verse 3, is it, does it really say in your Bible what it says in mine? What, what does your Bible say? Is it up there on the smart Alex screen yet? Make every effort. Don't put legalism on me, brother. Don't give me that dead religion. Let me tell you what the difference between dead religion and legalism is an honest, righteous effort. It's only the attitude of the one who's applying it. The existence of a standard is not what creates legalism. It's the attitude about the standard that is the legalism. The answer to destroy legalism is not erasing the standard. He has destiny and intention for us. He is holy. He can be pleased. He can also be disappointed. We can please him. And it's way beyond just the fact that he died for us, made us his son, and now we just sit in his house and eat his food. Everybody do this. Ready? Put it right here. Smile. <laughs> yes. Make every effort. What? Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. This church has a name, and it's all about unity. Right? The, 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 the chapter of the Bible that drives the idea for the founding of this body of believers, which are you, is John 17. That's all about unity. Did you, did you know that John 17 is actually a prayer that Jesus prayed? Do you realize that you and I have the singular honor to have the opportunity to become the answer to Jesus' prayer? Yes. What an extraordinary opportunity we have. And Jesus gets in our lives and he works with us where we are and he, he's moving us from where we are toward where he wants us to go. 
And everybody's at a different juncture in God. And he's moving us there. He wants us to go there. But we can't do it without intention. And we have to erase the fact that any effort equals works. And I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by grace. You need to really look into... You need, first of all, you need to read the Bible because you understand that that idea really is anathema to God. Yeah. <laughs> That's... He's not talking about all effort. What he's talking about is self-works can't save me, but that doesn't equal effortless Christianity. Go and learn what this mystery means and don't slough it off to I just can't measure up. And so I, I feel guilty because somebody's put legalism on me and made me think God's mad at me all the time. God is not mad at you because he says he loves you. Do you not believe him? Who cares what anybody else says? We should be upset at ourselves for not believing rather than the hellfire brimstone tradition that came from our nation that we want to blame on them. We should grow up, become mature, and stand in extreme ownership and take responsibility for our own unbelief. Jesus loves us. He can't do anything else to convince us in any greater measure than giving up his life on our behalf. Settle it. He loves you. So that then when he talks about obedience, it doesn't get all screwed up and spin off into some weird thing where the devil twists against you and you lose your connection and vibrancy and you feel like obedience is drudgery rather than exploding excitement and you can't wait to do your destiny. And connection with God and living with intention. You see, the reason that submission and surrender is such a big deal is because it kills everything in you that is a hindrance to you from becoming that. He doesn't want to murder anything in you that's helpful to you. He only wants to put to death the things in you that are not helpful and me is this true 10 minutes I gotta land the plane in 10 minutes see I looked why did I look because I have learned that your time is valuable and I want to honor you that's why boy I got 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 scriptures written down that's way too much <laughs> That's t I need to shut up. You see, it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 16, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the temple of God. And do you know that's an extraordinary thing? Do you know when Jesus died, what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says, Jesus said it is finished and he gave up his spirit 
Think about that. You know, at the time, the presence of God was in a single location in the earth. In the temple in Jerusalem. And something happened. It says when he gave up his spirit, at that moment, the, temple, the curtain in the temple tore in half. And God did that to that physical place to scream to the world, no more will I live in a building made by men. The symbolism of the temple tearing open and the change of location for the most holy place, the location where the Spirit of God resides in the earth, it changed fundamentally right there. That's why he had a big giant curtain in there to separate it and had special rules. And, 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 and you, there weren't very many people allowed in there. Now, he, he, Jesus released his spirit. And where did his spirit go? And went out into the earth in preparation to begin to flood men's hearts. He let his spirit out. And he gave the prophetic symbol and the message that he tore that barrier open. It says at that moment the temple and the curtain was torn. Because that's where his presence was confined to. The Old Testament, there were that God, the Spirit of God came on a few individuals. But in order to worship God, they had to travel to the tabernacle or the temple site every year and offer sacrifices for sins. And he decided he had a better idea, and that was to put his presence in us. So how can we lose, right? How can we lose? How many of you want to see a move of God in the city and something extraordinary to happen? Well, like we have all kinds of words in terms of that revival, moves of God, outbreaks, whatever. There's a renewal. There's all the things that we try to say. And everybody's got a different thought about what that means. But there's something inside us that all want to see God do something. And our hearts are crying out. If you have any love for God, the eternity that he put in your heart, it cries out for something, whatever that is. Everybody measures it differently, but everybody really wants the same thing. God, do something. And I'm here to tell you this morning that that, that the move of God that he is doing is you. It says in Matthew 18, 20, that where two or more gathered, there I am in the midst of you. And so we have this idea that, that what we really mean when we say revival is that, is that God comes among us in ways that aren't normal, like that are distinctive. And so we're, we're, we elusively try to figure out what that is and how do we make it happen. Then usually when we get it, we don't some dumb stuff about it that we don't like. Because it boils all kinds of stuff to the surface. So we create all kinds of things because we think different about all those things. But unilaterally, we really hunger for the presence of God. But you know what? He's here now. 
just as much and just as strongly than he's been in any move, in any revival ever in history, including the first one. Why? Because he said, where my people gather more than two or more, there I am. He has a name. His name is Emmanuel. Do you know what that name means? God with us, not just in us. And so part of this intentional living is we have a command from God. Make every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And this is our greatest failure in the body of Christ since the beginning. We are really bad at maintaining the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And, and if the devil can break peace, he can always destroy unity. Peace is the bond that maintains unity. And if we want God around us, if we want to be trusted from Jesus' perspective with His presence in a way that our sensors can perceive, To the degree that we're willing to unify is the degree of felt, perceived presence we experience. If the Holy Spirit pours out in a body, He's not pouring out from heaven because that's not where He lives. He lives here on this earth. When the Holy Spirit is doing His activity, the Holy Spirit comes out of the temple because there's no barrier there anymore. A really powerful action on God's part erased the barriers between us and God. The death of His Son. And so unity is a big deal and we can't get there unless we learn how to die because we will bring into our relationships all the me self-focus that we have. And this is a recipe for conflict and division and strife. All the trauma that we have, all the self-focus, all the things that are embedded in us destroy peace. Unity is probably the number one theme from Genesis to Revelation. It's one of the most important things that is on the heart of God. And we're lost as to how it works normally. We want the move of God. We need to love each other better. We want the move of God. It will directly correlate with our level of unity with one another. And how we bond. And everything that it takes for us to get this going in the right direction is everything that it takes for us to become more like Jesus. God is with us. Matthew one twenty three. John 17 prayed earnestly. Father, could you make them one? even as we are one. 
we got, listen, how many of you know that it matters who prays for you? Many of you came to know the Lord because your mom or your grandmother or your parents were earnestly praying for you and all the testimonies. He walked through, you know, the testimony of the teenager that walked through and could hear their parents in there calling out to God. Well, let me tell you something. You are at no disadvantage if you didn't have that because you had the ultimate guy praying for you and you have the ultimate guy praying for you right now. You can rest assured that you always have the most effective intercessor praying for you. His name is Jesus. He ever lives in intercession for us. So we can't lose. You are not at a disadvantage. It doesn't matter what your storyline is and I don't, I'm not making light of that. What I'm saying is you are set up for success no matter what has happened why because he loves you he loves me and I can't get over that and I've come to a place in my life because of saying yes with intention and embracing the cross not fleeing it and I've learned to be excited about the expression of my destiny I'm gonna go find the bird I'm straining to be pleased, God, let me go find the bird. I'm excited by that. I won't calm down. I'm on surrender like a broken record because I know what it unlocks. The most extraordinary life. 